how conversation flows in a, in a group of people. So, And it's recording. Doug Peters. Hi, I'm Doug. Right on. Um, so might as well just keep going. Um, I know you listened to the Terry one. What did you like about that? Because I know you kind of like when we... Cause for those who don't know, we play D and D together when we can actually get everyone in the same room together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Terry, I always wanted to bring him on and I didn't, I don't know you as well. Cause I worked in the same office as him and I know he's music guy and he worked at HMV forever. And you really seem to enjoy kind of what we were going over. Terry and I went to high school together. So that's how I know Terry. Um, I'm a big music fan as well. He's a dedicated, hardcore, thorough, not kidding you, music guy. And he's worked at HMV for years. I mean, his soul and passion is music. I love the music, much of the same music he loves. I'm not to the same degree as he is, but we have a lot in common. So you enjoyed his rap? I I did. I I listened to it and I said, (laughs) I said, I want to be... Or his thoughts on rap, I guess. Well, I said, I want to sit in that room with those people and contribute and say, yeah, 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 this was awesome, and here's my two cents on it. Yeah, right? that's when I listened to that podcast. The whole the whole time was me saying, I wish I was there. I wish I was having that conversation with those people. So. See, and when you gave and when you said that the first time, that like that's one of the first times where I got like this really good sense of like accomplishment, right? Because like. I honestly don't know who is listening to it. Like, I'm assuming I have my core Facebook friends that are like, okay, it's Paul, let's humor him and listen to it, right? And, like, you listen to Terry's because you know Terry. And, like, I try and pick different genres, right? And, like, I continually harp on the Joe Rogan thing, but he says he brings on friends who he wants to talk to, Mm -hmm. hence our conversation, (laughs) or people that he wants to learn something from. And I have brought on, like, my illustrator friends and, like... um, my friend who works at CBC and just stuff like that to kind of hear their tale. But yeah, the Terry one was super cool because like for some reason, like when I was younger, he was at HMV. I was at Blockbuster and there was a little bit of crossover there. Like I knew Jason. Okay. Because Jason worked at Blockbuster and I think he was HMV for a while also. I can't remember how he got into a group, but like there seemed to be like a few Terry people. Terry knows a lot of people. I know. And we have, I'm amazed I didn't know him sooner, right? Because we have a lot of friends in crossover. Like I had a ton of friends that worked at the South HMV, right? And I don't remember meeting Terry, which is odd to me, right? But I yeah, don't... see, I knew Terry from before HMV, so yeah. Um, to me, it's like okay, I know Terry, and we're good friends. And oh, now he's working at HMV, so if I, you know, want to go in and ask him a question about imported albums or whatever, right? He'd be the guy to ask, or you know, just like oh, I'm in the mall for a couple minutes, but I'm just gonna stop in and you know, high five Terry on my way through, right? So. Yeah, and the one thing that surprises me is like HMV is is it completely gone from the country? As far as I know, I think so. Is there yeah. just the one? I think there's just Sunshine Records. <laughs> yeah, did HMV I mean, completely retreat to England then? That I don't know. Hmm. I know that the last HMV I saw sold more of like stuffed animals and toys and junk. They got than, the knickknack rack. Yeah, yeah. knickknacks rather than music. It's like T-shirts and movie packages I was like I don't care about DVD box sets I came here for music I guess then I'm weird that way (laughs) yeah so maybe they outlive longer than we thought after iTunes comes around because now you don't have to buy an album you just you buy a song right Mm -hmm. and I was going to say because um, as much as I enjoy technology and I use computers and such um, I still like to buy full albums Right. Um, so when I, when one of my 
one of my favorite artists releases a new album, I go to the webpage and say, I will digitally download your album and buy the compact disc. So I have a physical copy, right? Sure, I have a, you know the files that I can move around on my phone or you know play it uh, in my car or whatever. But I like having the physical media, so I can you know drop it into my CD player at home and just you know let the music go in the background. So do you still buy a decent amount of music then? No, no I don't buy a lot. But when or do you I have do, your favorites? I've I've I was a computer enough guy that I stole enormous amounts of content off the internet in the Napster days. So I have, <laughs> I, I, have I have a library that I'm okay with. Um, but like I said, I have one artist that I just started following a few years ago. And to support that artist, I will buy his albums and his digital downloads. Yeah. So are you like, I know there's two kind of schools. Like Terry stays on top of all the stuff. He still goes to Vaughn every year. Like, the big festivals and stuff and he especially with metal like he knows his stuff right and like when he's rattling off band names and stuff I have no idea what he's talking to right like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that's guilty that like I'm pretty much now trapped in the 90s and I, I listen to what I like and then like the last album I bought was like Faith No More got back together in 2009 okay and did a new album that's the only album I've bought in the last 15 years wow and it's Faith No More whose probably biggest album was what the real thing in 1989 if, I, I remember a couple of the tunes, but I wasn't a Faith No More fan, so I didn't buy it or get into it, but I'm, I'm familiar with it. So yeah, like, do you still kind of keep up with stuff? Or? I'm, once again, I'm not nearly on the same level as yeah. Terry is. Um, I certainly have my favorites from the era I grew up in. Um, I will experiment a little bit. So, for example, certain groups... Um, that I come across on Facebook people will say oh hey I'm listening to this album or that album and I'll say hmm I wonder what that sounds like so I mean the the beauty of wonder of the today's technology is that you say hmm I wonder what this music album from 15 years ago sounds like you go to YouTube and you search the band name and the album name and boop there it is yeah you just play the entire album for free on YouTube right fantastic now I know what they sound like now if I really like it I can uh, you know bookmark that page or else you know make an effort to get a copy of the disc right so i was actually impressed by the the amount of stuff you can get off spotify now for free too like <clears throat> you it's everything they have but then you'll get like an ad and it's not even every song like i know youtube is pretty much like what i don't like about grabbing my music from there is like before every single one it's like unless you can catch a whole album that's like yeah, i was gonna say i've been really lucky catching entire albums yeah and it's even like I got in this weird mood and I started listening to like Offspring the okay. other day. And so I found their first album or their first mainstream album, I guess. They had stuff before that, right? Like Smash. And then I went to listen to their next album and it was just broken up into songs, right? So it was like song, ad, song, oh, ad. No. And then it kind of, I was just like, I don't want to bother with this. The other thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure YouTube does that based on popularity and clicks and likes and that sort of thing. Whereas a lot of the content I listen to uh, was popular decades ago. And so the, the, uh, I can listen to the content without being interrupted by advertisements all the time. Yeah, and that's why I like Spotify. Like even like for 15 bucks a month, it's unlimited. Um, you can even make your own playlist and it opened everything up. And um, even recently they opened up a podcaster section. Right. And so I ended up, I'm an artist on Spotify, as weird as that sounds, right? And But even for their free model, you can listen to all you want, but they only plop an ad in maybe every five or six songs. So, like, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. The only thing that sucks is they only work in certain web browsers. 
and my work has such old web browsers and don't update them that right. finally Spotify has passed out of what my work can play. Oh. <laughs> so now I'm like, so I got into this routine where I'm like, come in, play my Spotify, pick whatever albums. And like, if you're in the mood for, like you said, like 70s, 80s, and I'm pretty much, I'll listen to anything but country. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like I'll come too, in pretty much <laughs> or it's like, I don't listen to the radio. So like just something will pop in my head. Like I went through a sound garden phase a while ago and it was right before Chris Cornell passed away. But it's like, I had the ability to like kind of pick and choose and, I kind of enjoy that, but I don't know if it's like, I don't know how hard it is for musicians now, like, because people can just seek out that one song now. Mm -hmm. Like when we were kids, we had to buy the cassette or eight track or whatever it was that was your medium, right? I was going to say when I started buying, it was after the eight track era. So it was all 12 inch vinyl LPs. And then shortly after that, the wave of cassette tapes and then university, I was in university when compact discs became a thing. So. Yeah, it was funny because like I got such to loop around to the Terry conversation again. Like I got so many weird conversations that spun out of him in such a great way. Like because he was very passionate very about passionate, he was yes. talking about the stuff and he talked about the box, those long box things that cassettes came in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like those. I haven't thought about those in 35 years. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Well, I mean, the one linking through that conversation i mean the one memory i have is that when cassette tapes became a thing right the the places had to clear out all that old old technology vinyl right so they had they had a big sale on all their vinyl stuff and i picked up i picked up the soundtrack for the motion picture heavy metal the animated oh wow okay movie. so i picked up the double album uh soundtrack for heavy metal for ten dollars now at the time that was a 25 dollar purchase of vinyl two discs right 25 bucks a lot of money i picked up for 10 bucks for me woohoo right cheap but i mean yeah they were clearing out their vinyl they just you know make room for cassette tapes that's super cool yeah so what was the first cassette you ever owned oh boy um honestly i had blank recordable cassette tapes and i recorded stuff off the radio oh, okay so i'm doing that. like old enough that my mixtapes were recorded off live radio and it's like Pray the DJ doesn't say anything. Doesn't walk over the intro of the song, right? And like, they always do. Right, it's 7.30 p.m. and we're looking at blah, 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 blah. But it's like, shut up. I just want to hear the song, right? So, yeah, That's... I mean, my first my first tapes were uh, homemade mixtapes that I made up. Um, I, don't, I don't think I recall what cassette tape I might have bought first on my own. See, yeah, and mine's like being the age I am and the generation I'm from. Like, it's, I'm sure I'm with probably about... Well, let's go with 75% of the population that Thriller was oh, okay. the first cassette I had ever purchased just because it was I, so big. Well, yeah, I was born in 74 and I can't remember when Thriller came out, like early 80s. And that's when the cassette technology was starting to whatever and people were starting to buy stereos and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And my family upgraded from record player and 8-track player and we got a little cassette player or whatever, the boom box of the 80s or whatever. <laughs> yes. And yeah, and then... And Thriller was my first purchase that I remember. And then it was followed by Quiet Riot. Okay, nice. <laughs> and um, Metal Health? Yeah. Okay. And that got worn out. <laughs> that was my introduction probably to metal. And then uh, Culture Club. That's a, that's a bizarre turn. Yeah, but that's just, it's coming from like a smaller community. You're dictated by radio. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I remember I remember listening to a lot of that and going, ah. 
but yeah it's just small towns so it's top 40 town mm-hmm. right so you're listening to what's on the radio but yeah like being young and being on a sports team you're cranking up quiet riot in the dressing room to get fired up before mm-hmm. and that was i remember because terry's heavy metal knowledge just destroys mine yeah, right of like course. i probably have one atom in the whole universe of knowledge <laughs> that he has right and so it's like it was rather embarrassing when i'm like well my introduction i had quiet riot and then the radio station slowly introduced maybe a little motley crew but not shout at the devil can't go there <laughs> can't go that way. so maybe like girls 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 if it's after 11 at night and <laughs> What other kind of stuff, like what genre is your kind of go-to? Um, we'll put it all under the blanket of rock and roll, really. Um, I would say, I mean, the first album, the first record album that I remember listening to uh, that my dad had was um, Rock Around the Clock, Bill Haley and the Comets. Yep. Right. So I remember I remember having that vinyl album and playing it over and over and over and over and over again because his music collection was um, was musicals like 78 RPM, like old school, thick vinyl discs, you know, the soundtrack for HMS Pinafore. Okay, great. (laughs) I remember I remember he also had um, the French Foreign Legion, the Hmm. the music track was called the French Foreign Legion. which I listened to a lot. I liked that one. But yeah, I mean, a lot of his musical stuff I didn't listen to because he, I mean, he didn't listen to popular music or the kind of things that I might listen to. So I remember, I mean, being younger, I remember listening to like Phil Collins, for example, like the Land of Confusion, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, I remember I remember being in grade school and there was a substitute teacher came in. It's like, oh, okay, I want to get to know you guys a little bit. So uh, what kind of music do you like? And like the kind of thing I didn't really think a lot about, and uh, you know, well, do you do you like Phil Collins? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like Phil Collins, but I mean, I guess it was you know kind of the, like I said, the like the um, late '70s. I mean, Van Halen was huge, AC/DC was huge. I remember being in grade six, Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz. Um, that kind of got me, you know, towards the rock metal side of things and I mean um, Motley Crue and then Guns N' Roses and you name it I mean um, Megadeth and uh, Metallica um, yeah all sorts of stuff I mean I I like the hard rock I like yeah. fast stuff I like you know some Black Sabbath and the power metal um, yeah I'll admit yeah. to being a rather sheltered child, so it's like <laughs> a lot of those like more extreme influences didn't make their way into my life and being in a smaller community, right? Mm-hmm. So like Megadeth, like there was the heavy metal kids, but I wasn't in that crowd, right? Because I wasn't in that crowd either, but the, like that was that was the the strange thing about me. And, it was, and Terry went through kind of a phase like that too, um, where I clean cut young man I didn't have long hair and I didn't have you know a black leather jacket um, so yeah an ordinary looking kid but I would listen to the stuff that all the guys in the black leather jackets and the torn blue jeans who smoked at the you know the yeah. school doors all the time I listened to the same music as those guys but I wasn't part of that scene or that crowd so see so, yeah and I didn't seek them out and I think I talked about it when I was chatting with Terry is like my sister dated this guy that was kind of from that like that social group or whatever right and then i don't know why i don't know what 
possessed i can't remember if he gave it to me or if i looked at it and was like what the fuck is this but for some reason i landed with his cassette of master of puppets nice and i remember i and it's one of those moments because like i've been to six metallica concerts now and like they were my favorite band for <laughs> i'm envious ages. i'm envious i've never seen metallica and um yeah like i remember the first time listening to that album like and of course me too you get it you put it in you rewind it to the beginning and wait for it to spin the master <laughs> was your first album for metallica yeah yeah okay. and i would say it's probably my first legitimate like thrash metal like not radio metal right right because like when you pop it in you yeah, put it in yeah I have a Poison in. album with Unskinny Bop on it yeah I kind of <laughs> yeah <sighs> Poison <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean right. but that was yeah that was them them Motley Crue Whitesnake like hair metal mm-hmm. to me now in retrospect to me that's not metal that's just hard rock true yeah. Motley Crue Dr. Feelgood maybe pushed like that album was very I, yeah see I, I mean they're a hard rock band and that album was I Bob Rock to death right yeah and I he, don't all of it was except maybe their first album yeah like um, before like their first first album not, Dr. Feelgood was the one and only Molly like I know my sister after like with dating that guy she kind of went to like the metal thing and stuff like that too for a while and so she had like girls 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 and a couple like of the hairband cassettes sitting mm-hmm. around right but like I don't yeah like I honestly wish I remember what conversation landed that cassette in my hand because I'm like still forever grateful because mm-hmm. I and just because it starts out with that slow brum-bum, like whatever and I'm like what is this I thought he gave me heavy metal right and then when it blows into full-on battery and him just like it's you're ripping the cassette open looking for the lyric sheet for the first time because mm-hmm. it's life. coming by at you so fast because yeah I'm like I don't know what the fuck he's saying but it was just it was so powerful and so amazing and as far as heavy metal albums go I think that's still my favorite like one two punch for like an album um, it's honestly a favorite of mine it's very uh, I like it it's uh, but for me the first Metallica album I heard was Ride the Lightning oh boy <laughs> another yeah yeah, um, trapped under ice, blows me away. Right, it's it's powerful and it's fast and wow. I mean, the whole album's great. So, and that's another one. It starts in with that very melodic kind of like it kind of, and then it lets your guard with, down and yeah. then blows in with fight fire with fire and like once again like for even back to back albums like ride the lightning to master of puppets like. Mm-hmm you're riding a train of just amazing music and yeah like you said even for whom the bell tolls or like the them doing an instrumental every mm-hmm. album like who does that <laughs> it's but that almost irkens to more like of a classical feel right because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have like these like long-haired metal heads but then they do like one song per album that is like this amazingly elaborate and beautiful like instrumental right mm-hmm. and it's just yeah like i I'm so grateful that I fell into them because they became my favorite band forever and they're still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think I wore myself out so badly and then I think they had some albums that I completely disconnected from. Yeah, me too. I mean, kind of after... The Bob Rock. <laughs> well, I... I came through an era of, you know, like Black Sabbath and then... Van Halen and then kind of you know ACDC and then the hair metal things and you know kind of towards that I found the darker faster stuff you know like like Metallica and um, 
that was all great. And when they came to the Black album, which, I mean, by the numbers, I think is their most popular album to date. Oh, yeah. They still end every... Sh- like, the encore, as I haven't mm-hmm. gone... I didn't go this last time they came around, because, like, I've seen them. Mm-hmm. And I know they play 95% the old stuff, right? right? And they throw in the new album. So, like, at least when I was going, it was... Play your set, new stuff, classic stuff, go off, encore, enter Sandman. Right. Yeah. See, for me, I mean, I bought the Black Album. But for me, coming through the eras and the love of the music that I had, when they when they produced the Black Album, the Black Album got radio play. The Black Album was played in nightclubs and dance clubs. It's like Metallica, if you're talking Fight Fire with Fire, shouldn't be played at a dance club right where they playing you know synthesizer yeah. pop music right bubblegum music and to me that's kind of when metallica turned the corner and i'm like and that's i mean enter sandman so that was I mean, the black album enter sandman is like ah. do you think it was so good that it it had do to I be played on the radio good? no or do I you think, think they dialed so far back from being a thrash band i think they dialed it back for sure and and there's several albums after that where i'm just like yeah, literally, I dropped off the radar listening to Metallica. That would be Load and Reload, yeah. I yeah. bought Load and Reload, and that was the last, those were the last albums I bought. I downloaded a copy of Death Magnetic. And see, that's them going back to... And their most recent stuff that I've caught a couple of their videos, because, I mean, I'm, I'm on the Metallica fan page on Facebook, right? So they're like, we're releasing, you know our newest album or here's a track from our newest album it's like okay great I'll I mean I'm a Metallica fan I'll give it a listen I'll see what it's like and yeah it's been harder it's been edgier a little darker a little faster and I'm like okay I kind of like the, the direction they're going with this yeah the last two albums have I can genuinely say they feel more like thrash again so I don't know if that's and they added the new bassist again too and I think that kind of worked into it a little bit of this a little bit of that I mean you can't replace Cliff but uh... yeah and even Jason like that was a horrible falling out. Like that documentary that they released about kind of just them spiraling out of control as a, as a huge, huge fan for decades, I found it really embarrassing. Like I feel that I ended up almost despising Lars after that and finding that he was like the problem with 98% of it. And then there's James substance abuse problems and then them not wanting people to go do solo projects. And it's like everyone is fighting. And then you have poor Kirk in the corner who's like, arguably the greatest guitarist in the last 25 30 years and he's just like i just want to make metal yeah <laughs> and then they did a whole album without guitar solos which is like I, I, yeah i read that as a statistic someplace and i'm like really <coughs> i hadn't I hadn't checked that out but. but that was the trend at the time because you had all those shitty limp biscuit bands that probably couldn't have a guitar solo like we were blessed by like like you said like um, the Sabbaths and the Zeppelins mm, and I, then I've, yeah I'm a big Zeppelin fan too and though. just those the guitar skill it, they could be classical composers right like mm-hmm. amazing skill and then like the late 90s heavy metal scene I think it was a bunch of people who couldn't play their instruments but it was just that really trendy metal rap right and guitar solos went out the window because I honestly don't think yeah, I was, they I was could. thinking of um uh I forgot the name of the band. <laughs> Limp Biscuit is the one that I threw under the bus constantly because, like, I actually like Limp Biscuit. I have one of their albums, and uh, it's the one with break stuff on it. For what it's worth, you know. What was one. their big Nookie? I think that was the Nookie, one that got yeah. them famous. And then there was My Way. 
that my way or the highway or whatever because that was used for one of the wrestlemanias okay. as the build-up for like rock versus so, yeah, austin I think it was just that first album that that i latched on to and uh i mean i can't take a lot of it but i mean i do like it technically it's very it's very technical music it's i, I consider it funk more than anything yeah. if you listen to the way it's put together maybe i'm misplacing my blame but i feel they started that really unskilled rap metal slide that happened Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, because they, they, I think they did it well and they got popular and everybody's like, we need to copycat this. This is the next greatest thing. And there's always like Nirvana, how many copycats spun out of that in the early 90s, right? Yeah, like, and I wasn't I wasn't a Nirvana fan. I mean, I liked... Uh, our, I, <laughs> do you remember Terry's joke? No. <laughs> he despises grunge as well. He had nothing nice to say about Kirk Cobain. Well, yeah, see, Terry and I are both, we came through high school where it's like, okay, you had tight blue jeans and a black leather jacket and long hair and these guys were just like scruffy looking guys in plaid overcoats with grandma sweaters yeah they're just like <laughs> they're just like depressed and angry and it's like you guys aren't a real thing but you think you're a thing and okay Kurt Cobain's in Nirvana and he does his thing but uh, I didn't See, I didn't get the whole thing yeah what was the big what was the album with the baby on the front I can't never mind I never think. mind yeah. yeah like I like that and it it had its own sound to it that I appreciated, but I didn't buy anything after that, right? Like, even with Guns N' Roses, I think I only owned Appetite. You can't go wrong with that one. It's by I far know, but I like... Saw, like, Appetite was fantastic because I saw the t-shirt first. So oh, with the, the skulls? So the cross with the skulls on it. And I'm like, wow, who are those guys, right? <laughs> and and um, Patience was... I mean, okay, Welcome to the Jungle was the first track released on that one. And it was Screamo. It was, you know, the Screamo version of hair metal. And I didn't like Welcome to the Jungle, um, the track itself. And Patience came on, and I liked Patience. And uh, it was kind of from there, it, it grew, right? I got used to their sound, because they were different sounding than everybody else. So I got used to their sound, and I was like... Then my brother got GNR Lies, and I think we finally got Appetite for Destruction after that. And it's like... Whoa! Because the illusions wow. were, it could have been one album. It was two albums. It was two albums. And it I was two them. albums of pretty much anything that came into their mind. I feel they recorded it, as opposed to like I think a lot of bands start with twenty songs and we work our way down to what is a good cassette. And I just, huh, can I name I th- something I think, off Illusions? They did a remake of Live and Let Die. Yes, which was okay. They did the one song for Terminator Two. You could be mine. Right. But I, there's nothing... And, and they, yeah. did, they did one song, and I think they did a reprise of it. Um, they did Cold November Rain. November Rain, yeah. That was um, the big radio play one. But they, they had one song, and they did, like, on Use Your Illusion, it was one song. And then, like, on Use Your Illusion 2, it's, like, the same song, Reprise, I think. Oh, God. Yeah, because they had... Those were, those were albums that I bought and listened to, like, once, and then did I forgot about again. Lies till you said... I honestly thought it was just... Appetite, I her, but I had to illusions, <laughs> and then there was the spaghetti incident, which, which was I all never covers. Listened to, didn't buy, didn't didn't go anywhere near. Well, they got in huge shit because that was back when people because CDs had come out, so then people were starting to do the ten minutes of silence with another song. Oh, okay, and that was one of the first albums that I can think of that did a hidden song, but it was a song that was written by Charles Manson. Oh, okay, and that caused a whole shitstorm because <laughs> they're like, "Well, is he getting royalties from this? He's in prison. How's his music getting out?" Or when did he write this? And is he getting money? And it just caused a whole... And I'm sure that's probably the publicity reason behind it. Mm. But yeah, they had the... 
that was probably the first time I remember hearing of like a hidden song or hidden a because hidden track, you, yeah because you could have that empty space and mm-hmm. people would just turn it off right like I had um, Def Leppard's Pyromania and after the final track on that one it kind of goes for you know 40 seconds of silence and then a synthesizer track a synthesizer and a drum beat oh uh, really come in it's just it's just weird they, the cool thing is I, I found Pyromania on YouTube I just instead of digging out my old CD right I was like oh Pyromania on YouTube okay great I'll listen to it and <laughs> after the last track sure enough it had the 30 seconds of silence then the drum beat and the synthesizer kicked in I'm like whoa I didn't think that they would actually because it's nothing it's just it's just a soundtrack it's just you know like the sound of a synthesizer yep. but if you turn it off when beat. you think the song's over then it's a little gem right mm-hmm. so that's kind of yeah and it's probably one of my dirty little uh secrets is i never listened to pretty much anything def leppard unless it was on the radio or something mm-hmm. i didn't buy into them i think my sister had some of their was it pyromania was the one album but the first thing i ever bought of them was probably when they were past their prime and it was oh, you want to get rocked yeah and it was just like and that i would it's like how i'm so proud that like thriller and um, Quiet Rider, my first cassette purchases. My first CD purchases are that. <laughs> well, I mean, as much as I listen to a lot of metal, I, I mean, I grew up through the Michael Jackson Thriller era too. And I mean, I liked Thriller. Thriller kicked ass. And with uh, Vincent Price doing the voiceovers and uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Was- I mean, even, even to this day when people sit there and, you know, choreograph the Thriller dance, right? Fantastic. I'm oh yeah, he's... That the king of pop for a reason right like there was other stuff but like i'm pretty sure he still has records if it's not because he was the one that broke the beatles record for most number one songs i think probably or top 10 or i had this argument at work the other day because um is it elton john that's coming through soon uh, maybe. i think so i had a co-worker that was going all giddy over elton john coming around and i'm like eh, whatever i can maybe name a few of his songs and they're like what's wrong with you he had tons of hits and i'm like i bet you he didn't even have five number one hits and they're like they got all offended they're like fuck you and i'm like do you realize how hard it is to get your song to number one and they're like nah and they google it i mean it. elton john's been since the 70s right right so i mean uh i would say he's had more than that five number ones i think i was right i think it ended up being six really wow yeah top threes is different okay but to get and yeah and it's kind of like how the olympics it's really it's it's not even easy to get to the olympics but then to actually win a medal at the olympics is probably one of the hardest things on this planet because and i think there's also that difference in skill and just catching the right wave between a top 10 song and being it Mm -hmm. because i remember hearing once that if you can get a number one song, you never have to work another day for the rest of your life because you become number one and people are paying for your residuals for the rest of your life. Right, right. Um, when Men Without Hats came through, mm. I ended or men, up... Men Without Hats? Men Without Hats came through, okay. God, four or five years ago. I ended up befriending the guy. Super oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I knew about that because you told me. Yeah, Ivan Droschuk, and it's super cool, right? But, like, I he could... I guarantee he's living off safety dance money. I was going to say... And this isn't a knock on him. He just, he caught that MTV generation. Like the he, perfect, yeah, the yeah, perfect like time. He, it was synth pop. It was amazing. He was one of the, uh, easily one of the first music videos that was on heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. We all know it. We all know the dwarf. Of course we do, yeah. See, I didn't say midget. I'm getting politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and just that whole, the British countryside video. Like it's famous. And I guarantee he like 
Maybe Pop Goes the World got up there too. But I'm, like, I guarantee you, it's not at the same level. I mean, I'm no. familiar with Pop Goes the World as as a popular song of theirs, but Safety Dance was right. And like, and I, but that's and back to my argument. I think the difference between getting a top ten and a number one, and then being it, like Michael Jackson, like beat it number one probably for weeks thriller number one for probably weeks what else is the way you make me feel like everything on that album yeah i mean a lot of just about everything he touched was pretty magical right so and yeah so like i mean smooth criminal was very good yeah even black or white that album like yeah pretty high right yeah um (laughs) i just remember the smooth criminal remake who was that alien ant farm i have that in my collection Yes. I just liked the video because they were walking down the sidewalk and it was lighting up. But yeah, like, yeah, I figured it's... Back in the day, I couldn't figure out how they did that. I'm a kid. I'm <laughs> watching TV, watching the video going, this is Billy Jean and, and the floor is lighting up when he when his feet touch it. How do they do that? And he, yeah, like, you kind of have to think too, like his music was amazing too, but he was at that beginning wave of the MTV era, right? Where mm-hmm. music video mattered. And like Thriller was what seventeen minutes. Seventeen long? minutes, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, who makes a seventeen music minute music video? Well, well yeah, it's it's a it's a mini movie, right? Honestly, and it was brilliant, right? Yes. Like he wasn't stupid, and I, I don't know, I'm not in the mu- like I don't hang around a music circle, so I don't know how pertinent he is now when you look back at him. Like I, I my opinion, he probably has still has a very big impact. I would say. Like, do more people know who P. Diddy is now than Michael Jackson and stuff like that? Because, like, no offense to us, but yeah, depending on which generation of people you're talking to, I suppose, right? I mean, a, a number of years back when the Rolling Stones came through, right? Well, the Rolling Stones, everybody knows who the Rolling Stones are, right? I think they're coming again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm like, I had never, I'd never considered much about the Rolling Stones. I mean, I'd heard a couple of their hit songs. Um, uh, I found a cassette tape abandoned on Wascana Parkway that had been run over by a truck of steel wheels. I mean, are you young enough to remember like the good old days when you could pull a cassette tape, pull the reels out of cassette tape? And, put them into a different and, one? Yeah, undo the casing and put that reel into a different cassette tape housing. I remember rewinding uh, cassettes with a pencil, with pencil and course. spinning okay. it in the air. Um, so anyways, I found a copy of Steel Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and so I listened to Steel Wheels. It's the only Stones album I ever had. That would have been early 90s. Late 80s or early 90s was when Steel Wheels came out. Yeah, in that era. And that was almost billed as their farewell tour. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I mean, familiar with who the Rolling Stones were. Heard a number of their hits over the years. Okay, great. Um, then it's like, oh, you know, you're going to you're gonna come on tour through Regina. And I'll, 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 share, I'll share my my piss poor attitude with you you'll love this um <laughs> i've lived in regina almost all my life but it, when it comes to music i consider regina like this is the place musicians come to at the very tail end of their careers this is where the careers die right so or on you, their way up before you, there's something eh, less so less so um so I mean if you were popular in the 60s or the 70s you had your heyday and you kind of trailed off in the popularity but your greatest hits album keeps you floating for a few more years and you're like you know what uh, it's time to retire we'll play a few more hit songs let's play a few more tours and then our last stop the last stop we'll make ever is uh, let's play the Casino Regina Show Lounge <laughs> and then we'll never ever play another date ever in our life and I'm like I've been joking for years that Regina is the place where bands come to die 
Is that why the headstones were here? Probably. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I tease about it, but look at the look at the history, right? So, for what was probably one of the most popular Canadian bands twenty five years ago. Uh yeah, I liked a lot of the Headstones music. Yeah, yeah, and Smell it's and wave. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Just the fuck you song. <laughs> but that's the thing is I worked at the state, which for anyone listening is probably was the live music venue here for a decade. Probably at from least. the mid nine. Well, early 90s to the early 2000s. Then it closed down. But like my joke was that we're Regina. So same thing like you said. But I said, we if we don't catch them on the way up, we don't see them again till they're coming yeah, right back exactly, down. Exactly. Till they're at the very, very end of their career. And the, and that was funny because these people would get like we would get Biff or you'd get Nickelback on their way up. I remember. Oh, boy. Dwight Mouth Mason on their way probably up. Probably late 80s, probably just after high school. I had one of my first jobs. I was a pizza delivery driver. And I remember that um, one of the guys I worked with, his sister, I think, worked at one of the clubs and got to hang out with Biff Naked for an afternoon when she was on tour. I mean, at the beginning of her career. Yep. So. No, and it's, and it's kind funny. Of small world, right? Because it's like, oh, I remember when that happened, and then like four years later, boom, big album release, and this person's on TV all the time. And, and then you don't see them here anymore. Then, yeah. Then they fall <laughs> off the planet. Maybe so. Saskatoon, <laughs> if you're lucky. The, yeah, I, I mean, we're Canadian, right? We joke about this. You know, a Canadian tour consists of Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is a Canadian tour. We live in Canada. Don't we get a tour? I was still pumped because Metallica would still always hit hard and they would do Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatoon, Winnipeg on their way through. Yeah, and see, I'm one of the guys that's like, I'm, I have difficulty traveling to a different city to go to a concert. If I like you, I'll go far. Like Metallica because what's I the, have... What's the, one that's the, the one that Terry's going to? He's like, it's in Edmonton, we're going. And his buddy Roki too. Like they travel far and away just for anything yeah, right if, if they go to Bach in Germany for a, for a concert yeah. right okay you're hardcore I respect that but that's the gathering of like the end all be all metal so that I get right mm. like I remember I was looking into oh, was the, Iron Maiden's final tour final tour again I don't believe anybody's final tour it's funny because when last time Motley Crue came through town this is our final tour if you want to see Motley Crue for the final time come see us now Right, so I went to the show and it was awesome. And right at the very, very end, the curtains were closed. And they had, you know, one of the stagehands kind of peek out from the curtains at the very end, go, "There will be another," right? And then they released another album, the um, Saints of Los Angeles. Oh, really? Right? And I'm like, I still thought Doctor Feelgood was I, the I end this, of it. I thought this was the, I thought this was the final album, right? As long as they can, who's the sick one, Mick Mars? Uh, probably. Who's the main guitarist? I, it's uh, yeah, Mick Mars. The, yeah, I, I thought he this... was like horribly, horribly sick, and that's why they did that to her. I, yeah, and I remember, maybe not, it was that tour. I remember that tour because Tommy Lee had a wrist injury, and he couldn't play all the dates. So at different stops across Canada, they were hiring like cover bands. Hey, can you do Motley Crue covers? We need to stand in for Tommy Lee on this date. I had a buddy in Calgary who uh, did cover bands. He was a drummer, and he got to, in Calgary. Got to sit in for Tommy Lee. Oh, jeez. I'm like <laughs> that. That guy's like dream come true. He was a huge fan back in the day, and so yeah, he got to live his dream. And you know, was, yeah, that'd be super cool. Yeah. I also think Vince Neil's voice kind of dropped off a cliff. 
Like I've having yeah, I, I saw them and I didn't think it was I didn't think it was the worst thing ever. I've seen some guys, you know, trying to sing past their prime and like eh, not so good, but yeah. He did all right. The only one and he's 70 now and he still can belt it out is um oh my god, now I'm forgetting his name. Sammy Hagar. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. That dude still has pipes on him. And I, he, I love the I love the meme where it shows Sammy Hagar and uh, Bill Clinton. And they're the same and they're age. They're the same age, but Bill Clinton looks like on his deathbed and Sammy Hagar is like young and tanned and you know, still living a beach lifestyle, right? That yeah, that's I think that's the effects of living living with Hillary. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks like some like mythological D&D creature has like yeah, he's, sucked he's, yeah, the he's life living essence. dead is what he is. Like he's, did you ever watch the Warcraft movie? I didn't. I want to though. Oh, I have it here. I should give it to you. But like, do you know much of the lore? Like, I I play Warcraft a little bit. Okay. Like, do you know who Gul'dan is? He's kind of like the evil orc warlock guy. Okay. I've seen but there's him. one one scene where he's sitting there talking with somebody, and there's like this human crumpled down beside him, and every once in a while he you can see him just like reaching out his hand and pulling the life essence oh, out of the guy okay. to feed himself, right? And so he'll be talking and like evil guy monologuing or whatever and people trying to like talk him down like I don't know that seems kind of extreme he's sitting there and like <laughs> leeching the life force slowly and finally he just like sucks the last piece out and the guy crumples over like this withered husk and that's probably what Bill Clinton looks like in that photo yeah I was gonna say that, that's, uh... <laughs> that's my long way of getting to that story but like yeah I've seen the photo and I know exactly what you mean but yeah Hagar looks amazing and like they keep like I know it's fake news, but people keep leaking like, oh, Van Halen's going to get back together. Oh, and like, Van Halen tried to get back together and it just didn't turn out very well. Well, Michael Anthony got kicked out and replaced by Wolfgang Van Halen. They never told him. They just one day removed Michael Anthony from the webpage and put up Wolfgang in his place. Wow. Because I, s- I heard they toured with him. So. Yeah. And so at least that was the last I heard. So Michael Anthony is now Sammy Hagar's basis for all of his projects. So you have the the named Van Halen people in one camp, mm-hmm. like Eddie and Alex and mm-hmm. now Wolfgang. And you have Hagar and Michael, Michael Anthony, Anthony on this side. And then idiot Roth bouncing around. Like, there's my definition of your voice dropping off a cliff. Yes. Yeah. Did you see him on Jimmy Kimmel? No. Oh. Um, what what the. The one thing I did was uh, I was like, there's so much content on YouTube that, you know, maybe I should see if there's a full-length Van Halen concert. And I managed to find one, and it's kind of from the 1984 era. And, uh, I mean, I've heard I've heard all their albums, right? So I know it, I know what he sounds like or can sound like. But, uh, you know, in this live show, and I, I think it was recorded in Montreal, um, and that he's, he's, he's singing and he's kind of like, 80 90 percent he's not quite you know what you might expect him to be but the other thing was like he sings like out of a sentence of lyrics he would sing like two-thirds of it and then just wait for the music to catch oh, so up. he's been doing that all along has he because he does that now okay I he have... doesn't sing he talks <laughs> okay um because they had him on like the american music awards last year or the year before because it's van halen's like 30 or 40th anniversary because they were early 70s yeah, so probably think, 40th anniversary. Yeah, so I, and think, the, I think 77. So yeah, it probably was last year then. And yeah, he would talk the lyrics because he can't sing. Right. He, like, they do Panama because I think that's the easiest on his lungs and his throat. Right. And um, 
yeah, like even that, oh yeah, huh? He just, he doesn't, but he, yeah, like when there's supposed to be lyrics, he just kind of stops and prances. Yeah. And then just <laughs> waits for the music to catch up and then he starts fresh on the next. And then like Eddie and Wolfgang still do like kind of the chorusy stuff. And yeah, like he's not. That was, that was the, the thing I was most curious about watching that video was like, okay, we all know David Lee Roth. He's the big voice in front, right? But how much do the rest of the band carry the lyrics in that? So it was interesting to me to. Yeah, and I think Michael and I think like, he was a good. Like, does does uh, um, does Eddie sing? You know, I was like, oh, I have to watch for this. No, and that was the thing is like Michael Anthony was always, or at least I don't know, I'm that weird guy that I prefer um, the Sammy Hagar era. I oh, okay. Um, I just prefer Sammy Hagar. I don't know. It's because I'm older, and what they are as a human being kind of matters to me now too. And like when I go back, like the album that I can listen to over and over again Van Hagar what do you call it Van Hagar no I just I still say Van Halen but like um I find myself above and beyond like your obvious ones like Panama is like I love all of 1984 all of it yeah it there are some spots where like in retrospect it's a little too synthy for me which is weird that was yeah that was kind of like a crossover album because I mean I like you know Van Halen Van Halen one right the the album that started it all um, classic Van Halen and I loved um, 1984 for a lot of reasons I didn't like how synthy it got right it was kind of that crossover it was like well let's bring in synthesizers and I mean there was a lot of metal bands like Ozzy for example in uh, Ultimate Sin had an awful lot of synthesizer in that album See, and I don't like I what I really liked was the older, you know, this is guitars, bass, and drums, and lyrics. And those are and the two songs that I take from, my, like, if I had to take songs from 1984, I'd pull Panama out, and I would pull Hot for Teacher out. Is the Hot two, for Teacher's fantastic. And that's the drum. Yeah. Just that, like, just going, right? And those mm-hmm. are the two that I will listen to over and over from that album. The rest of the album I'm indifferent to. I like I'll Wait, even though it's all synth. Hmm. I, I like that track, too. But yeah, like for unlawful carnal knowledge is the one that I find myself going back to and yet it was like Hagar was more radio friendly I think mm. like, don't get me wrong it was all radio friendly but like but I mean that was that was the era of Sammy Hagar and Van Halen doing Pepsi commercials yeah so and right now became like the biggest it song it was huge yeah and um yeah like Pound Cake like all that stuff like I just I don't know I think just yeah it's probably just because now I feel very jaded against David Lee Roth and I just he doesn't he hasn't contributed to the music no, industry I mean, in a long I, time and I like David Lee Roth for what he was yeah 1984 and older right yeah and, and I just uh, yeah Hagar I still enjoy like he still can sing he still does stuff and when I go to listen to Van Halen it's easily over 50% his stuff mm. which and 0% Gary Sharon yeah no, I agree 100% <laughs> Because yeah. when you said, what was it, Van Halen 1, I was like, wasn't Van Halen 3 Gary Sharon? <laughs> Yikes. Was, what do you do? Um, yeah. It's weird. Because, yeah, they kept teasing and teasing a reunion tour with those guys. And I think Hagar finally was just like, you know what? I Because, like I said, I'd heard that they had tried it before. I remember I remember seeing, um, I think it was a Saturday Night Live skit where um, um, I think they had... Eddie Van Halen on 
and they were kind of joking about the reunion tour and they had some guy you know dressed up in one of Dave Lee Roth's like crazy streamer <laughs> outfits you know jumping on the bed and screaming and just making an ass of himself whereas the rest of the band was like yeah we're just normal guys and you know our tour's going along great and you wow you hear you know screaming and jumping around and you go oh yeah Dave Lee Roth right but that was his shtick though he was that Mexican jumping bean right yeah, like yeah, how like much of him was energy, like right? like what was his album where he only had four songs on it after he broke up with them um, crazy from the heat? No, that was the one after. That me. might have Maybe. been it. I have, um, I have David Lee Ross "Eat Him and Smile," which I do like quite a lot. No, but there was that four song, because um, it had just a gigolo, California girls. That was like his big like debut. But yeah, this "Eat Him and Smile" was like the first like fully full functioning. Length, yeah, and that was super popular too, right? I liked it. I I gave it its day in court, and I liked it so. Yeah, it's just weird. He seemed to really just drop right off. Yeah, I saw, I saw, um, um, what was it? He was, um, I'm going to come up with the wrong genre of music, but it was, it was some version of folk music, right? Banjos and, right. And, and it was like, okay, this is David Lee Roth. Someone was just passing that around on Facebook. Yeah, folk, fronting a folk music band playing Van Halen covers. And it was awful. And I'm like, what are you doing? I did see the the folk version of Panama. Someone was passing that around on Facebook like in the last month. Wow. I thought it was a like a gag. No, legit. And then it was him. But now they did that again when they got back together. They did like what was the series in the nineties, Unplugged? Remember where that was kind of like okay, yeah, they the, would take all these iconic bands and have them do like I remember unplugged like albums. Unplugged was a was a yeah. big deal, yeah. That was really good. But like they got lots of different bands to do unplugged, and it seems like Van Halen did this like but it was almost like half Van Halen and half that jug because it was just them with like acoustic instruments and like it and him doing his talk singing through it because he can't sing anymore. It was just I don't know. Yeah, I it's embarrassing. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, we'll just spin you in a different angle here. Um, MTV Unplugged. Um, I saw late at night, not you know, not looking for anything special on TV, and I came across uh, Bjork Unplugged on MTV. MTV I didn't Live. know she did one. Um, and it was, I mean, like uh, it was. It was all percussion and all quiet and, and subtle. And I mean, it was not electronic music. And I'd never heard any of Bjork's music before. So I didn't know what this was about. But I, what I saw on this MTV Live thing was like, wow, this is intriguing. And I like the music because I mean, you know, I, I play drums and I like percussion things. And I just thought it was really, really cool the way the thing was. And I didn't catch the entire concert. I think I had a VCR going and I caught some of it. And then. I mean, I lost it for years and years and years. And then finally it's like, oh, YouTube. And now we have all sorts of this content. So I was able to find it again. but it, And it's fantastic. But I mean, I got, because of that, I got into, I listened, started listening to Bjork. And I have that same album that she was playing in the Unplugged, uh, which is all like highly pop, highly electronic, all synth. And it's like, whoa, this is like, a real dichotomy between the two sounds that she had. But I mean, I really like the acoustic things she did. She, yeah, I I can only think of two songs off the top of my head of hers that I remember vividly. And one was like, almost the video looked like singing in the rain and was very like happy oh, and yeah, her yeah. dancing around yeah, yeah, and yeah. singing really happy. And there was another one that was just like, 
this like stuffed looking bear thing trudging through the streets and it was completely like surreal and I had no idea what was going on right mm. um, but I would completely lump her in as more of an artist yes. and a musician yeah like she was perfect for the MTV generation as well because like a lot of people like I remember when Metallica made the video for one I keep going back to Metallica but yeah. they said they never wanted to make a music video that was just them waving their hair around prancing on a stage they wanted their videos to mean something. Okay. And that's where one came from is it was and it shocked the fuck out of you when you yeah, watch it the yeah. first time, right? Yeah, for sure. Because they found the movie version of the book that he had written the song about. And Bjork always was in that category of like, I don't like her music, just it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. There's the odd song I do, but when her video's on, I'll watch it because I know she puts thought into the music, the visual. Yeah, it's really creative and there's a lot of stuff. And the feeling of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Man, I can't remember what that one. I was think the... it was called "When You Fall in Love." Yeah. So. And it blew my mind because it's, it. it's oh so quiet, right? It's oh so quiet, right? Right. Yeah. And it goes from quiet to like big band, yeah. loud, flashy colors. Right. It shocked me that she did something like that when I first saw it. And then I'm like, well, this is Bjork. She like, she's in that really awesome space where I don't think she's defined as anything, right? I don't think so. And that's artist like, from Reykjavik, right? <laughs> yeah, and isn't she like two feet tall? Like she's tiny. I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember she did a project with I mean, my... like if you think of you know musicians from Iceland, <laughs> uh, Bjork, <laughs> right? I'll take Bjork for one hundred, Alex. And there is only a one hundred. <laughs> that's yeah. right. There's only a one hundred. Yeah, it's that's funny because I remember I just remember hearing because someone was talking about ABBA again the other day. I heard there was going to be an ABBA reunion. I think there's enough money thrown at them and they're not bitter at each other anymore. It's been a lot of years. And, and it's funny because I mean, uh, my mom was a huge ABBA fan. And so she had all of the albums. I think there was no denying that it was in every household. I have all the albums now. I have all those albums. And I mean, they're timeless, really. It's great music. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's the kind of things like, okay, I haven't listened to it for 30 years, but I can bring the disc out. and I, We would... They would be in the disco category. Absolutely. Uh, and yet they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So there's like exhibit I don't know. A. Is there a disco Hall of Fame? Well, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it would be them and the Bee Gees. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a couple other songs and that's about it, right? But like, yeah. yeah, like they were in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before Alice Cooper. Wow. To put it into perspective. like he Alice just, doesn't have nearly the number of hits. Did he get in yet? Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I, I respect the work he does. I've been to his show's three times two hangings one one of keely's best friends is like die and even keely was diehard alice cooper but the old stuff when it was the band alice cooper okay yeah yeah. not the man or because at some point he absorbed the name because i think it was the band was called alice cooper when they first came out okay i could be wrong we're talking out my ass but i'll um, believe you because i don't have any contrary uh whatever the first thing i owned of him was um what was his song poison oh wow okay (laughs) Because, I mean, everybody heard... I'm late um, to the game. Everybody just... heard um, I'm 18, right? Or School's Out. School's Out Oh, yeah. The, School's Out, I would have probably... Everybody knew, right? I'll assume... I just tweeted earlier because um, I heard Under Pressure on the radio and I finally gave out my admission that I heard Ice Ice Baby, Ice, Ice Baby. before I heard Under Pressure. Wow. Yeah, it was the other way around for me. Oh, it should be, but once again, sheltered childhood. Like, hey, there's that... <laughs> It's using that catchy hook, right? The whole the whole sampling and you know, using somebody else's uh, music to make yourself popular. Which, uh, um, Kid Rock, 
right? When Kid Rock uses the Metallica samples in his own Sad music. Sad but true, yeah. And I'm like... American Badass got a lot of play too, though. It's when, when Kid Rock came through town, I mean, I didn't go to the show, but I live a half block from the stadium. Was he the one that opened for Bon Jovi? Yes. <laughs> and so I listened to I listened to Kid Rock and I'm just like, eh, nah, sorry, nah. I don't think he has the talent that everybody uh, associates <laughs> with him. It's like, okay, you take somebody else's really popular music and you rap over it. And that but that's you... that. He's also in that group that I put with Limp Biscuit, where it's that rap metal that I have no use for anymore. <laughs> and he was worse because he sampled shit, right? Yeah, like, I, uh, I, I don't carry a lot of respect for Kid Rock. Yeah, didn't he end up marrying Pamela Anderson too? After that, I haven't heard. I think he. Yeah, it's all clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's just the reminiscing. Yeah, so back to when we were talking about Bjork and that ABBA was like 50 some percent of that country's gross domestic product for Likely, one year yeah. and I was kind of wondering if Bjork was in that same category <laughs> yeah between between yeah like what Bjork are the rally car drivers right really I can't or think or Formula 1 drivers Kimi Raikkonen oh really right I mean I think they produce yeah automobile race car drivers and Bjork <laughs> Does she even release stuff anymore, I wonder? Good question. We'll have to put that on a Google just, later. Yeah. Well, she did a project with um, Mike Patton, the guy from Faith No More. Okay. And he kind of became... And I think Terry was sick of hearing about it when we worked together in the same office for a while because I went through this gigantic... It was when Faith No More we really made it put a new album out, right? Okay, yeah. And um, they started doing like... Valken and Download Festival and all those things right, when right. they got back together and they sounded amazing so I started looking into Mike Patton and um, his voice is insane right and he did like um, a collaboration with Bjork and I'm like what a strange that's a strange because when yeah. everyone thinks of him like it's funny when I talk about Faith No More at work is like all the old people are retiring so now it's all the 20 year olds coming into my work and they're like what's this faith no more and it's like after I'm done eye rolling right it's like I'm like I guarantee I know your pain. you what I know your pain yeah and I'm like you would know one of their songs it's like okay you all listen to the wolf all day long at work I'm like you've I guarantee you've heard epic mm-hmm. and they're like I've never heard epic I'm like they don't it's not like it's they the only s- song that ever gets played the word so. epic isn't in there it's like but and so when I played for them they know what I'm talking about right but like that's what people think of with Mike Patton that's what I think about when I think Faith and More yes yeah and just him in general but he's had so many and, le- and that was the thing with Terry's vast musical knowledge he rattled off every band that Mike Patton's been in I'm like well fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah Terry the walking library of music yeah. it was so great with him there and it was like it was so neat because like we're a government office but we had the dress code pulled because it's like we're payroll people who sit at a terminal processing payroll all day right they're like dress how you want so then he gets hired and he comes in he's got the long flowing hair and like i joke with him but i i'm pretty serious which, when i say which, which death metal shirt's gonna get him kicked out of the office or what <laughs> i never saw him wear the same shirt okay. twice i don't think he has two of the same shirt but like I mean, is he, it, have you have you seen this collection of black i don't know if i've looked in the closet okay Ask him next time you're there. He'll show you. I'm assuming he has like one of every heavy metal t-shirt since like... Since the 80s, yeah. When was it? When it was the black shirt with like the three-quarter white sleeves? sleeves? Yeah. yeah. We need more... I'm going to steal that for a podcast. T-shirt. I think they're coming back. The base, the, they are. The shirts are coming back. But not. But they're all like different. I don't think anyone does the black with the white. Was the neckline white? I think so. 
I think you could have it either way. But yeah, the what they call baseball sleeves, the long yeah, sleeves. Yeah, baseball shirt. But yeah, all concert shirts were that way for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. In the 80s. I remember when I was in my teens, I did some babysitting for someone. It was one of my parents' friends, right? And I watched their kids. And it was pretty much me just sitting in their house while the kids slept because they were really Watch young. Pepsi Power Hour. But instead of getting paid in money or whatever, they gave me this, like, one of those shirts. But it was oh, okay. for the band Asia. And I'm like... <laughs> I still don't know if I've ever listened to that band. Really? I couldn't name no, no idea. Um their first album with Only Time Will Tell was worth it. Don't don't go to Asia Alpha. Not so good. But were they metal? Like I just no, had this wicked they were, flashback. They were, they were like, kind of uh kind of Bon Jovi ish. So they had <laughs> they kind of had a rock sound but a lot of synth. Huh. So I have my I don't know why I just thought of that now, but that's the only one of I no YouTube I, Only Time Will Tell. You'll find it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I own two of those like 80s metal shirts with the white sleeves. <laughs> and the other one was uh, Ride the Lightning. Nice. And it was with the chair in the front mm-hmm. and the gl- and the glow-in-the-dark guy in the back. Nice. Where like when the lights went out, you could see the guy getting electrocuted awesome. in the chair. That's awesome. Man. It took me so long to like find people that had that stuff then too, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, there, I mean, I grew up here, right? So there were lots of music shops. And I mean, if you wanted to go buy a, a specialty t-shirt, you could roll in and buy one. I mean, it's pricey, but it's all available, right? What were the mainstays here? What was the one on Scarth Street? Records on Wheels? Honestly, I couldn't tell you because I'm a South End kid. So I just went hmm. to, but yeah, I mean, uh, I remember there was a store on Scarth Street. I remember... I'll tell, you my, I'll tell you my brief my brief recollection of that story and I don't remember the name of the place but I remember walking in and I remember seeing a poster on the wall and it was um, it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> and it was and it was the one where um, they're walking naked across the street and they have little chili peppers covering their junk <laughs> and I'm like what the hell right I had no idea who the Chili Peppers were. I'd never heard any of their music. I didn't know anything. What but year this, would this, this have been? This amazing poster. Well, probably sometime in the 80s, right? Because that's when I... Because they hit big in 91. If you found somebody who was more of a, a trivia person, they could say, oh, that was the... Yeah. You know, that was the... I mean, it's a ripoff of a Beatles yeah. album cover. Abbey Road, uh, so, I think. Yeah, it was the Chili Peppers version of that. And... Uh, I found it shocking and hilarious at the same time. So it's, it, it stuck this very vivid mental picture for me for years. And I, it's not like I sought out the Chili Peppers. They kind of they kind of came from obscurity, right? Kind of the punk rock crowd. And eventually um, they became really, really popular with uh, Mother's Milk. Mother's it? Milk and then um, Blood Sugar it, Sex Magic Blood was the Sugar big one. Sex Magic, yeah. That was the one with Give It Away. Yeah. So that was when I... They started getting an awful lot of play on, you know, much music. So that's where I first saw them. And um, it kind of like everything. I mean, if something's good and it gets a lot of radio plays, like, okay, I can get this. And, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't bought... I mean, I bought Californication because... Is that the one uh, with scar tissue and all... I think so, yeah. 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 So that was the like, I should buy I should buy a Chili Peppers album. So when they released that, I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. And really I should have just bought Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And uh I have a downloaded digital copy on Yeah, the give it away under the bridge. 
I think those were the two big ones. Yeah, off Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Round and those world. are the ones. Hmm? Round the World. Maybe. By the way, by the way, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, I have that album uh, digital and I have Californication that I bought on CD, I think. I think they just got into the Hall of Fame too. It was right. I, uh, I love the Chili Peppers now. I, mean, I don't go out and buy their albums, but I mean, anytime I hear their music playing on the radio or playing in somebody's car or, or whatever, I'm like, all right, Chili Peppers, they're awesome. But they're one of those bands that like, they have a distinct style. I think they call it like the West Cal or West Coast There's funk the, or yeah, something. I was gonna say, they have a, a name it's a, for it's a, it. It's a funky thing and it's, and it's uh, you know, very bass guitar driven, you know, well, Fleet is Flea, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, instantly identifiable. You can yeah. be like, Yep, that's Chili Peppers. You can lump them in with ACDC where there's like there's a distinct style that them and them alone kind of like. I don't know if other people don't touch it because they don't want to be accused of touching it. But it's like there's very few and far between bands. Like ACDC is the number one where it's they have like, one sound. Yeah. And they don't change it. And they've been doing it for 35 years. And you're like, wow, okay, great. But yet you wait for the next album, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, oh my God, what's the last ACDC album I bought? Which was the one with Thunderstruck? I think Razor's it Edge? Called, uh, was it called Thunderstruck? It might have been called Razor's Edge. I think it was Razor's Edge. But that's the last one I bought. I was going to say, I haven't, yeah, I haven't bought an ACDC album forever. I know maybe they've had three since then. They probably had more. It's just... Uh, Four? Yeah, they... Um, I remember they... This is, let's say, somewhere between five and ten years ago, they released an album... And uh, I didn't buy it, but I got a digital copy of it, and I listened to it over and over and over and over again until say, okay, <coughs> I've I've had my fill of this, and uh, and that was it. It's not like I said, oh yeah, this is a classic. I should put it in my saved music collection that you know my library. Um, but I remember listening to it and listening to like the entire album over. I I had it. Uh, I had a a video game like an online video game and you could one of the options was to be able to play music tracks from your own music collections instead, oh, cool. instead of just the canned music that would come with the game so you could just like choose music from this directory so i put this acdc album in the in the music directory and so i would play this game online and that would be the soundtrack to the to the gameplay session but i mean by the time you hear the same album like seven thousand times you're like okay i've had enough (laughs) so it doesn't go on the shelf next because like when i think of them and i want to listen to it my first grab is back in black back in black yeah uh who made who um what is something your video blow up your video okay and um razor's edge if i want to hear the brian johnson stuff Mm. and then i do get in moods where i want to hear the bond scott stuff and I remember the exact first time I ever heard um, Big Balls. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in grade school when that was. Yeah, it's like and someone's it, older it brother of, had it's it. It's funny because everyone's like, sir, you can't talk about this out loud, right? Oh, man. What video or what album was that? It's the one where all the eyes are covered. Yeah, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Yes. Yep. And that ended up being like, I listened to that so much. It was. You such can't a- get tired of that album. It's Yeah. It's pure gold. And just, yeah, like, and there's such a distinct style difference. Yeah, Bon Scott was far more bluesy than Brian Johnson. And, like, I can't, it's, there's, like, remember how we were talking about Van Halen? Like, I have a distinct camp, which I prefer. Mm -hmm. But ACDC, like, I can't. 
I enjoy each singer for what they brought to the table and mm-hmm. what they did, and I thoroughly enjoy both sides of it. Right? Yeah, me too. Like, Back in Black is unquestionably an all-time classic album, right? So I think it still makes like top ten greatest metal albums of all time, right? Which is undeniable, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just. Yeah, it's like if you're trapped on a desert island and you only get six albums <laughs> to bring with you, what's you know what's on your playlist? It's like uh, Back in Black. Yeah, it's such a definitive thing, right? But oh man, that's gonna bug me because yeah, I used to like at, like you said during the Napster era, I think I had ripped down like every single ACDC album, and there was a good handful of the Bon Scott ones, mm-hmm. and they're really good, like 74, 74, 74 Jailbreak, yeah. yeah. Jailbreak was a good one. Dirty Deeds um, was a good one. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other Johnson ones. For those about to rock rock. was an after one. But they had so many. It felt like they were doing like an album every two years for a while. And what's weird is I don't know how much time was between them losing Bon Scott and Back in Black, right? I think it... Okay. You can Google this later. You can correct me. I'm prepared to be completely wrong about this. (laughs) I am... I'm prepared to be completely wrong about this. I believe, and I'll repeat, I'm prepared to be wrong about this. I believe that um, after Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, um, hold on. Okay. Here's what I believe. I believe that he, that Bon Scott died after Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, okay, but that they released Back in Black either at the same time or maybe even before Dirty Deeds. Like, it all kind of happened at that time. Hmm. And like I said, prepared to be completely wrong about this. Razor's Edge was 90, yeah, and that was the last one I bought. Back in Black was 80. Hmm. I hate how my phone searches things. Um, But yeah, like, and just as a kid growing up, it was like, because it was somebody's older brother and it was like, and we'd sit around because we were like grade three and we're like mm-hmm. giggling about big balls. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I used to babysit for one of the neighbors. And uh, I mean, it, one of, it was the neighbor was a friend of mine. Right. And he had an older sister who was probably, you know, four, five, six years older than he was. And so, yeah, all this Van Halen, Van Halen one and all of the early ACDC albums and all the stuff was, you know, in her collection. Uh, and I just remember, you know, looking at these, you know, vinyl albums, just going, whoa, I mean, you know, Led Zeppelin three and uh, yeah, you name it. Holy crap. High voltage TNT, Dirty Deeds Dunder Cheap, Let There Be Rock. Let There Be Rock. Powerage. Powerage. Died. Next year, Highway to Hell, year later, back in... No, Highway to Hell was him, right? Yeah. No. Highway to Hell is... Because uh, Back in Black was the first... Back in Black was the first uh, Brian Johnson album. Right. Highway to Hell is Bon Scott. Okay. Because, yeah, they have albums 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, and then they 83, 85, 88, 90, and then after that, like, Ball Breaker... I know one song off of it. Stiff Upper Lip, I just know the main song. It's just the main song, yeah. Uh, Black Ice, no idea. Rocker Bust was only four years ago. Wow. But they're still going, but then again, so are the Stones. Yeah, one of them died recently. Stones? No, no, no. One of the one of the ACTC. The one brother, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and didn't they have Axl Rose singing for Brian oh, Johnson yeah, for part I heard, of the tour? I heard something about that. I'm just like, 
la 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 la. They found la, not, <laughs> this isn't happening. I'm not. I mean, they found the next next it's most kind of raspy like the voice. Michael Jackson, Lisa Marie Presley marriage. It's like la 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 la. This isn't reality. This is not happening. I forgot. Isn't that kid like a grown? Maybe. Once again, they've got to be that that was... that shock era of Hollywood and that whole nonsense. I stay right away from. Yeah, and that's after he kind of got pinned and accused of a few things and yep. having Macaulay Culkin over for the weekend. <laughs> Have some Jesus juice. <laughs> oh, my God. And it seems that's the thing that sucks, right? Like, he's supposed to be this, like, iconic, larger-than-life guy, and then, like, has anyone even, like, have they ever done tours? Because didn't he have, like, didn't he call it Disneyland or not? Or, like, what's um Peter Pan's world? Never Never Land. Never Never Land. Yeah, the Neverland Ranch. Yes. Right. Like, has anyone ever documented, like, what's even inside it or is it um i i think that a few years after that whole scandal thing i think much of it got liquidated Mm. because i mean he owned the beatles catalog of like he owned all their music and i think that got auctioned i think that that's one of my not in the jackson family's possession anymore that's one of my favorite stories ever is he did the video for say 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 right with paul mccartney McCartney, and paul mccartney is the one that told him you should invest your money in music (laughs) and he turned around and bought all the beatles by the beatles oh next next time he runs him guess what paul i own you now too (laughs) i'm your boss i forgot about say 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 that was a great video with the snake oil salesman kind of thing Man, so what is your let's let's end on a high note. What's your desert island list then? Oh, I don't know. I could put a desert island list together. No, um, I like Back in Black. It's fantastic. I like. You said peppers. Would they be on a must-have for the rest of my life? I would life? think so. Yeah, honestly, um, the the blood sugar sex magic is fantastic i could listen to that over and over and over again so you're a skateboarder i totally thought you'd be like mr thrash or um like thrash and like rancid and misfits and i like- listened to i listened to bits and pieces of that now now that being said i wasn't a punk rock kid in high school right so and like for for me i grew up just underneath the punk rock era okay so the first wave of it not the green day so yeah no i like i like green day so so to to flesh out this this discussion um um if you choose any of the big classic punk rock groups of the late 70s um i have heard of them all but i don't own any of their albums with the exception of um, never mind the bollocks here's the sex pistols yeah right so I mean everybody's heard of the sex pistols um, but for for me I mean um, punk rock was a little too raw it was the kind of thing where you could just sit there and like thrash really really hard on an acoustic guitar and you know scream not musically and be like yeah that's punk rock I liked something that's a little bit more produced, a little bit more okay. musical. Um, I mean, I of that early, early era. Um, I mean, I appreciate some of the political statements they were making. I appreciate their passion or their angst or the energy they put into their music. I just couldn't get into the music. I think, I think I was too young. Just like I said, yeah. young. 
too young to to uh, be that. So if you were an angsty seventeen year old, right, <laughs> and I was the wide eyed nine year old, not quite getting the music that you know that you're listening to. I mean, that's how I would kind of explain that. It's like, okay, the people who are older than me listen to punk rock music, and I came in in the later generation, and I listened to metal music. Yeah. I guess, yeah, because there would be like Minor Threat, and the Misfits would probably be my favorite. See, I know, like, everybody's giant Misfit fans, and there's a lot of memes out there that I've, I've seen. I've, because, because of my interest in skateboarding, I am making efforts to listen to more of the kind of music that inspired skaters um so i mean 30 years ago i wouldn't have listened to misfits now somebody says oh yeah i should you know i've been listening to misfits and i think they're rad it's like oh well maybe i should you know queue up a couple of misfits tunes on youtube and you know see what it's all about and go okay yeah it's okay it's not bad yeah but, uh, it's but it's like you said and one of the reasons you said you didn't enjoy it though is it's very unpolished unproduced um, and I mean, that's, that's, I won't say that that's not part of the magic of it. I mean, because it is what it is, right? Um, but I just didn't get into it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a me thing, not a, well, the music sucks, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know when you got into the skateboarding culture, though, either, right? So I, I only started getting into skateboarding four years ago. So it was after roller derby? Yes, after roller derby. Is that what kind of segued it, or was it its own discovery? Um, okay, when I was a little kid, if you say 8, 9, 10 years old, I had a plastic department store bought garbage skateboard that my mom and dad got for me, and I rode it, and I liked it, but I couldn't afford like a professional skateboard uh, that you know the teenagers, the guys who were 10 years older than me, were riding and enjoying. So I never, I never, I mean, my parents i was a kid right my parents would be responsible for spending the money for that kind of toy for me and they wouldn't so i never got a proper you know wooden skateboard when i was a kid i got the crappy plastic one and so i was a kid right it's it's outdoors it's something i played with and i liked it but i left it out in the rain and the bearings seized up on it and it was junk <laughs> Story and, over. and yeah and i never and i never wrote it again now fast forward 30 years um i i meet well, some of my friends in Calgary, here's how my, my introduction to roller derby happened, is that some of my friends in Calgary, they started getting involved in roller derby. So I had heard about the, oh, there's, you know, girls are getting into roller derby. And I'm like, okay, I grew up in the era where I watched roller derby on Saturday morning sports, like pro wrestling and roller derby. So I know what roller derby is, right? 70s era pro wrestling style roller derby. So it's like, oh, roller derby. Okay, I've heard of this. And so after a couple of years of, you know, oh, they're getting involved in roller derby, I was in Calgary and they say, hey, do you want to go check out a roller derby boat? I'm like, sure, why, why not? Let's go, let's go see this thing. And so I went there and I mean, it was at a hockey stadium, uh, like a small local uh, hockey stadium. And, you know, it was dark and there's a lot of smoke in there and there's people with, you know, uh, uh, mohawk haircuts and colors in their hair and lots of leather and spikes and you know lots of tattoos and piercings and kind of a grungy you know gritty crowd i feel it has stolen a lot of the punk rock culture looks I, and like yeah stylization of it in at least advertising and stuff like that yeah sir, uh, certainly the, the 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 punk rock attitude is there for sure um because i mean it's uh grassroots it's 
it's run by you know the people who run the whole operation um so yeah it's a it's a pretty stripped down bare bones operation but i mean yeah it's it's uh it's the people it's the public so uh they run that operation so it's you know mohawks and leather and tattoos and piercings and uh that crowd you know you know, had a, it was it was like a like the pro wrestling thing, right? So if you're at your you know local uh, stampede wrestling, right? It's a lot of it's local people and a lot of hand drawn signs and a lot of hooting and hollering and a lot of you know feedback crowd and uh, you know attitude from the skaters. Um, it was quite uh, an experience. I mean, I'm once again like I said about my high school experience. Like I was the guy who was like with the short haircut and the nice clothes, but I listened to metal and. I wasn't the leather jacket and the tight jeans and smoking, you know, out at the out of the school doors. I wasn't the you know I wasn't the bad apple crowd. I just listened to the music, right? So it it um, yeah. My experience at roller derby was like I wasn't part of that scene, but uh, but going to that event, I was surrounded by it, and it was and it was it was like I don't know what's going on. I see girls skating. And I hear a lot of whistles blowing, and I don't know what's going on. Arm waving, and the points are in the hundreds, and <laughs> yeah, um, it was the thrashing lassies and the B fifty two Bellas in Calgary, and uh, they. Uh, it's with a buddy of mine. And he said he had a sign, and it was a photocopy of a, of a picture of like Lassie, and it said, and it said, "Where's little Timmy?" <laughs> And so, they, you know, he held up this sign during the game. I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, was, um, so anyways, long story short, uh, yes, because of my involvement in roller derby, um, wheels, trucks, plates, etc., it's it's the same, I mean, it's urethane wheels, it's steel trucks, it's bushings, it's all the same components, um, you know, slightly different because it's on a skateboard instead of one on each of your feet. Um, so yeah, my interest in roller derby um, expanded. And it's like, oh, um, you know, skateboarding is really kind of the same thing. And my brother, my nephew, my brother's kid, my nephew, my brother wanted to shop for a skateboard for my nephew. And so they went to a garage sale, they found a skateboard and he said, okay, I'll buy it for my kid. And uh, he said, oh, do you have, do you have uh, another one? He said, so I can get a skateboard. I can skateboard with my kid. I'm like, okay. And, and so the guy who had the stuff's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got another skateboard here. So he sold my brother, like, a skateboard for him, a skateboard for my nephew. And he says, oh, and I got this shoebox full of extra parts. Do you want them? And he's like, sure, why not? <laughs> and so um, he picked up this box of, of extra parts of spare trucks. And uh, he came over to my place. He didn't announce them. He just kind of, oh, hey, I'm coming by. Okay, great. And so he comes by. And... Uh, he hands me this shoebox with a set of independent 159 trucks. And he says, here, do you want these? And I'm like, holy crap, independent trucks? Um, sure, I, I guess I need a skateboard now. And it was, <laughs> and it was that simple because it, I was a kid. I like skateboarding, right? It's just uh, skateboarding's popularity crested and waned before I got into the whole thing. Would the peak be Tony Hawk? Um, I honestly... Um, or before that? You know how you make excellent uh, statements about, well, I come from a small town. I don't have a lot of exposure. My parents never had cable TV when I was a kid, so I never got exposed to any of the scene. 
Like when I was when I was a little kid and I had my first plastic crappy skateboard, you know, a block away there were these guys, you know, the teenagers, mm-hmm. right, who had real skateboards and they had like a wooden quarter pipe ramp they had set up at their driveway. Oh wow. So they'd have these like amazing crazy skateboard sessions and I would just go, eh, I got my little plastic crappy skateboard and I don't know how to ride it. But I'd watch these guys and think that they were like the most amazing thing I'd seen. But yeah, uh, I didn't hear about Tony Hawk until much, much later. He, he was already a celebrity by then. So Yeah, he was part of like the MTV, like second generation, I think, by that point. Because it yeah. was him. He had, oh God, he had video games, I think, in the 90s. Probably. Tony yeah. Hawk Skate. He was before, yeah, he was before Jackass. <laughs> it was I, their own. Um, I remember seeing a lot of Jackass. I think it was pretty funny, so... I can't remember who I was talking to the other day. We were marveling at the fact that most of them were still alive. Uh, yeah. Um, um, well, Bam Margera's dad, for all the crap that Bam ever did to his folks, I'm amazed that they're around. I thought the dad did pass did he die? recently. Okay. But of like the core jackass group, only one of them died, but it was like... Oh, yeah, he died in a car accident. Yeah, he was, driving like a maniac in a Ferrari or something, and or in a Porsche. But like drunk or high or something Yeah, like but that, that's so. what you'd expect of those guys. But the fact that Knoxville's still walking around and his body hasn't yeah. given out on him. Or that Steve-O's that even Keith alive. Richards, right? So. <laughs> I think Keith Richards has so many drugs in him, and that's what's propping that's him up, right? keeping like, him alive. Like... The one joke that I've always heard was like, when Keith Richards dies, everyone's going to have to like smoke his ashes to get high because everything's in him, right? Yeah. Um, which did you prefer, derby or skateboarding now? Um, or are they their own beasts? Honestly, they're their own beasts. Um, derby is a is a team sport and there's a lot of, a lot of people required to play it. A lot of people required to keep the operation moving, right? A lot of officials, a lot of, uh, you know, timing people, a lot of organizing, uh, you know, your ticket takers and your door people and uh, basically all the people that set up the place and tear down the place. I mean, it's it's much like the wrestling thing. Where there's a lot of people behind the scenes that keep that operation going that, uh, you know, the general public doesn't see. Um, skateboarding is, is completely an individual thing, right? It's you and a skateboard. And I mean, if you have a group of friends that do it, okay, great. You have a, a crew of guys that you skate with on a regular basis. But it's not like, oh, I can't skateboard because my teammate can't skateboard, right? I mean, if you're trying to play roller derby and you don't have enough people to play a team, if you don't have enough members to make a team to play others, you can't really play because you don't have enough people to make a team. Right, so skateboarding is all about you. It's an individual thing. So kind of like the difference between maybe learning an instrument or having a band. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, you have to learn an instrument to be a part of a band. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Which was harder to get a grasp of having like roller skates or operating on a board? Um, good question. Because I tried as a kid. I was like you. Like I got the the Kmart crappy skateboard as yeah. a kid because i'm like oh that's awesome and metallica like you'd always hear about them skateboarding and getting hurt and stuff i'm like i want to try I've, skateboarding I've seen some pictures yeah and so it's like okay i'll give this a go and it's like and i'm left-handed right so okay. then it's like it was to the point where i think my skateboard came with instructions <laughs> <laughs> as long as it didn't come with a handle you're okay yeah <laughs> well that's the scooter that all the kids have yeah. now but yeah i was like so when it was like put your right foot on i'd have to like think hey put my left foot on and because there's goofy foot and regular right, yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. stuff. And I'm just like, I think I went down the driveway once and like ate it. 
like everybody. Yeah, and I'm like, being the computer nerd I was, I just went right back in and turned the Atari back on, and that was the end of that experiment, right? <laughs> like, I bet you if I went to my mom's house, it's probably up in the rafters nice, of the garage. Nice, Some really, well... Some really terrible Kmart board that's 30 years old now. Yeah, and like you said, it would probably... Everything, the bearings would probably be rusted solid yeah, you and whatever. Get, you get replacements for all that stuff. I, I would kill myself. I Maybe. No, I don't... I don't think I, you understand how klutzy I am. Okay. And the fact um, that I underwent professional wrestling, like if I had told my mother or my family that I was attempting pro wrestling, they probably would have pre-planned my funeral. <laughs> like I am the most... See, I didn't know you before, so... Yeah. Um, some, like Keely would say that... Oh, oh yeah, she knows Paul it does, too. Paul does, Paul does pro wrestling. I'm like, okay, cool. That was, that was about as much thought as I put in. Her that. allowing that? Well, not... That's putting it the wrong way but her being like okay with me wrestling she understood my accident prone and just that like if a meteor is going to fall out of the sky it will land on me and if something bad physically is going to happen it's going to happen to me right like um i had a pretty good run with basketball growing up okay and almost like i had a good run where i almost made the uvar team right but then it's like i didn't quite make it and then that summer was it injuries that helped you back uh no, and it's I'm still guilty of it to this day, and I've kind of come up with my own like phrase for it is, um, I genuinely give everything a solid forty percent effort. <laughs> okay, and this podcast some months falls into that. It's I have zero. I don't have that killer instinct, that killer drive, right? Okay. But with basketball, I loved it. I was good at it, but I still like I wouldn't get up and go jogging. Like I knew my cardio sucked. So if it was lots of sprinting back and forth, I'd get left behind and I'd be the worst guy out right, there. Right, okay. And I knew where my flaws were. I refused to work on them, but I knew I was good. I knew I was athletic. Um, I had a great chat with the coach the one year, like pretty much the time I got relegated from the main squad to like the B team, the B -team yeah. or whatever. And they even, the U of R paid for all of us that were like the last cuts. They paid for us to go into the city league and have a team. Mm -hmm. So they had the next generation of kids to move up, right? But yeah, like, and I joke about it, but I really need to work on it. Is I on like I give everything, and forty might be lowballing it, but I think it's to leave an excuse inside my brain because it was like, well, I really didn't try hard. I probably could have done it, and it's a, it's sad, right? To like in retrospect, because like, but I still do it, and it's like I, I kind of I kind of see that I hate leaving the door open. Because it's like, I could do this, I could go full bore, and everything I've done in my life, I would say that the maximum, like some things I have given maximum effort for certain periods of time, mm -hmm. but I would say on average, anything I do on a daily basis is at 40%. Hmm. Things come easily to me, and that's when the 40% might be like where everybody else is at. Right. Like I've had jobs where I've been really good at it, and if I dial it, my effort down to 40%, I'm with the rest of the flow. And there's other times where I got to like kick it up to like whatever. But it's yeah. like part of it, I think, is to leave an excuse where it's like, well, I didn't quite try. So like in my my brain would rationalize like. Yeah, I mean, you got to find something that you're passionate about, something you're really driven to be involved in. Um, I, would, I would think that your, you know, your pro wrestling experience would be like, oh, I really got to do this. Right. I mean, if you had to do, you know, your physical training or. Um, you know, cardio if you had to or whatever you would need to do because, I mean, 
that's your focus that's your passion that's oh, i really want to do this right i thoroughly enjoyed it but i had zero desire to be in front of a crowd I could have went through the training process for the rest of my life and had a blast because I and I still like I love having wrestler friends. It's amazing. It has afforded me to sit down like my podcast before this one was with Brutus the fucking barber beefcake. Mm -hmm. And that's not selling things lightly. Like you could easily argue he was the number two guy behind Hulk Hogan for popularity when he was in his full blown barber gimmick. The only other person that might have given him a run was Jake's take Roberts. I was going to say Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Roberts, I think, was more defined Here, I'll share, as a villain. I'll share villain. with you my, my opinion on Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior was physically really impressive. And that's what Vince liked. <laughs> but he skipped leg day. Rick Rude was worse. <laughs> I know the name Rick Rude. I can't picture but I Ravishing like Rick Rude? Yeah. If you um, ever saw him, his calves are probably the size of your forearms. Oh, no. And I just... He passed away ages ago, but like he was really good friends with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Steve Austin had good legs too. Like he always, he would even comment like he had, that's why he wore the, the tidy right. black okay. shorts, right? Because he liked his legs. Rick Rude wore the full spandex yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, right? And um, Austin would be at the gym doing squats or whatever. And Rick Rude would come through and he had, he was called ravishing for a reason. Like he had the same upper body, probably as Warrior. Yeah. Like chiseled. Yeah, no, I mean, upper, Ultimate Warrior's upper body was fantastic. But that right? was those guys, right? And it's like. But yeah, I, was, I remember watching him just going. From the waist up, he looks fantastic. And from the waist down, he's like, eh, well, yeah. He skipped <laughs> See, and he was day. even, yeah, and he even, like, but he wore the short shorts too, right? Like, yeah. at least he had okay legs. A lot of wrestling boots come up all the way to the knee pads. So it's, most of those guys don't have calves, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, I remember Rick Rude was like, because Austin, I guess, was giving him the gears about, like, why don't you ever do legs day? And he's like, it's an upper body business. Mm -hmm. And it was. And it is, yeah. Right? Like, nobody gave a fuck if you had calves, right? So, like, could have like size three. Somebody, somebody who's as as, as a noob as me. I mean, I I noticed Ultimate Warrior. I mean, big but, biceps and then the ribbons tied on them. And I mean, he but he was iconic, and he was the one that like our generation was. We were blessed with like wrestling when it boomed, like the Cindy Lauper, Hulk Hogan, that Mr. Was T. Big. Yeah, I I grew up in the area of Calgary Stampede Wrestling on my Saturday yep. morning TV. So I mean, I that's got both, what I watched. So. That's what I watched an awful lot of. And then you know. When the whole WrestleMania thing uh, got, well, maybe before WrestleMania, but the WWF uh, got really, really big, um, you know, when I was in grade six or seven or something like that, it started getting really big in the first WrestleMania. Um, like you said, Cindy Lauper and... Uh, the first know, WrestleMania had as many celebrities as wrestlers. I was going to say. And now it's it's about the show. They barely have celebrities it's, anymore. Uh, wrestling's changed and we can have that conversation on another yeah, day. That's, and I, that's the thing, right? Like... I went out of my way to like not have any wrestling talk on here for a long time and not have any like wrestlers on here for a long time. And then the Brutus Beefcake opportunity came up and I'm you like, you know what? Up. Fuck it. Yeah. Because I don't want to be I never want to be pigeonholed. Right. I never want to be like, what's the term in Hollywood typecast? OK. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the wrestling. You don't want to be Paul the wrestling podcast. Right. It's one of my major interests. Um, the current product is pretty shitty when you think about the what i grew up in yeah but, i prefer the old stuff to the new stuff for sure. right like and it's we are from western canada so stampede was the focus here and stampede wrestling was a very tight hard-hitting realistic that you could watch it and you could almost if you didn't know any better it it looked like a real mm -hmm. contest and they my favorite my favorite thing was that 
I mean, you couldn't show the cage matches, right? You couldn't show barbed wire matches, right? So, I mean, you would watch one Saturday and be like, okay, this event's coming up and we're going to, you know, do it or whatever. Or they would set up the cages, right? And then the TV would cut away from it and say, see you next week, right? And then the week after, you know, they would start out the uh, the show with interviewing the wrestlers and they're all bloody and, and torn up and uh, they're just like, oh, you know, that was the toughest event I've ever wrestled in. And you're like, what did I miss? Right. Yeah. And the talkers. I think the talkers were a hundred times better back then. Um, Roddy Piper mm-hmm. was like, he was the definitive villain back then. I don't think people have that ability to talk you like to the to get to the point where you want everyone in the country to pay a lot of money to come watch you get the shit kicked out of you mm-hmm. I can't think of any wrestlers that are that way they all want to be cool now they all want to sell merchandise um, the last time I remembered anything like that was when Chris Jericho 10 years ago because now he's a rock star <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like 10 years ago he came back he was a villain and then they were like merchandising came to him he's like no no t-shirts wow people he's like i don't want anyone in the crowd wearing something chris jericho he's like i'm supposed to be the villain and that's a long lost notion right like roddy piper had a t-shirt and it probably never sold now it does the nostalgia is that hot rod thing right yeah yeah yeah. but like but now ronda rousey because she knew him she's like taking on the roddy piper kind of like look and feel like she wears a little mini kilt to the ring and she's rowdy. Oh, okay. Ronda Rousey. But she actually asked him for permission, which is the coolest which thing. Which is nice, yeah. Because he was a judo guy and she's a judo person, right? So they had the same contact, so. Cool. Yeah, I just, like, I remember. I if mean, you were a stampede guy, you'd remember, like, uh, Honky Tonk Wayne, Bad News Allen. Yes. Uh, um, Jason the both, Terrible. Yeah, I was going to say, and some of those guys have come back in later years, much like. Brutus. Cuban assassin. Cuban assassin. Yeah. Uh, the Karachi Vice. Yep. One of my coworkers, he's this young guy, and he just moved to Canada from Karachi. <laughs> and I'm like, man. And I Googled it because there still is like a version of Stampede Wrestling, but it's not the hearts, right? Right, right, right. And like, I was dying to find a Karachi. Some- I thought someone on the internet would have a Karachi Vice knockoff shirt. Right. There isn't. I'm devastated. I'm shocked because I would totally buy this for my coworker. Everything. Yeah, and then he'd probably think I'm a racist prick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's what the real. Fuck is this? No, they were the awesome villains from wrestling. What do you mean? Wait, what? No. <laughs> yeah. Muckasing no. and gamasing, right? Yeah. Like J.R. Foley, the man. Like J.R. Foley. But that was in the day where villains were villains, and like you didn't go drinking with the good guy after. Um, you were an asshole to the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and nobody. Yeah, does and you're that. always the guy that you know snuck your brass knuckles or a lead right. pipe into the ring, right? Like, I vividly remember watching Saturday morning when they showed the highlights of Randy Savage cheating to win the Intercontinental Championship for the first time because he snuck into his tights and pulled something out, and then after he pinned the guy, he like threw it out into the crowd, mm-hmm. and then the people in the crowd feel cool because they're like, "It's over here, ref!" Right? Like, it doesn't exist anymore to that level where like. And there are guys that try, right? Like, do you know who Kevin Owens is? He's newer, like super new. His real name's Kevin Steen, and he's from Canada. Right. And I feel like, it sounds bad, but I feel like Canadian pro wrestlers still have that old school, like... I'm sure they do if they're they're on the Canadian wrestling circuits. But he, at one point, he started yelling at this kid in the crowd. He made the kid cry, and then he got in trouble on Twitter. For doing his it's, job being the bad guy. Yeah, it's a different era now. Right, because the mom's like, you hurt little Timmy's feelings. And it's like, it's his fucking job. He's a villain wrestler. But he's you can't do that yeah, anymore. Yeah, he's supposed to be the bad guy. 
So what do you do? You still have to sell t-shirts and make the parents happy, right? Like where where the frown on your face and wave your arm menacingly, but Right, like but don't don't be mean. Fuck, like when you think of some of the stuff that Roddy Piper did or like how villain like Jake the Snake, like wrapping yeah, not a, people not people out and, and put wrap a snake, a snake around them. them so that they're like can't breathe and they're vomiting, right? And it's like you can't do that anymore and it's just it makes me sad right like there's people that kind of get it like Kevin Owens gets it and he's very eloquent with his talking and he knows like he knows how to get a crowd to turn on you that isn't your generic man I hate being here in Cleveland Ohio tonight like there's (laughs) just your shitty yeah yeah, there's your shitty no tries right and he's like he gets it right and there's a few guys that do and it seems like the majority of them are like Canadian guys and it's nice to see like and Bret Hart kind of like Mm. mentions them every once in a while he's like I really like these new up and coming Canadian guys and like there's another one nah, Sammy Zane, and they're just like and Vince doesn't give them a chance because they're not these hulking muscular guys like Kevin Owens has to wear a t-shirt to wrestle because he has a gut oh okay he's probably not going to get that skyrocket push you didn't get the like the one shoulder leotard fuck those don't like exist all the, anymore like all the no name fat guy guys who you know they're in the ring when the bout starts because they're like oh that's the guy that's gonna lose <laughs> right i picked up on that right away so oh. if you start the bout in the ring it's over <laughs> yeah to get out of that is it's pretty tough to be the jobber and then not move on anywhere but right I mean, on some, somebody's got to lose somebody's got to win right so yeah and it was a simpler time right because i believed in it right like i remember in the early 90s vince came out and he's like it's sports entertainment what we do is to entertain you and it's like the Wizard of Oz. The curtain came open. You saw who was controlling it, mm. and then you knew it came down to writing and popularity. And it's just, it's not the same. Yeah, like I said, my I, I watched in the old days, and I watched through some of the heydays of the early WrestleMania years, and then I stopped. So, but it's like you said with roller derby. Roller derby in the, the seventies, everyone it was fake, but everyone thought it was real. But everyone thought wrestling was real when it was actually fake. Yeah, and now they've completely reversed roles where roller derby is a legit sport making waves and wrestling still wrestling and wrestling is complete sports entertainment with three hours of fireworks and pyro and music and the the thing that drives me crazy about modern wrestling is that i've tried to watch some of it and it's like okay we're having an interview with somebody in the dressing room it's like okay but wrestling happens in the ring what what's happening in the ring right now it's like oh well we're soap operaing about so-and-so sleeping with so-and-so's girlfriend i don't care what's happening in the ring right so my a lot of people are really into it for the story and the drama and everything that's not in the ring and i'm like i don't care about that there's a distinct line in the sand around 2002 or three where they stopped hiring wrestling people to come up with the storylines and they started hiring television Uh. writers so now instead of like feuds and like well-figured wrestling things that build up to like where you have to see who finally wins after this eight-month-out drawn-out yeah, feud. Yeah, yeah. Like feuds last two to three months tops now. No one has the attention span for shit. Mm. And it's like you said, there's drama and stuff. Like um, you'll know, like Jim the Anvil Neidhart passed away a right, while ago. Right, Bret yeah. Hart's for- famous partner. His daughter's a wrestler. Okay. And they did this whole storyline where she's wrestling and some bad person went to the ringside because I guess she was wearing her dad's old glasses to the oh, ring. Okay. This girl like stomped on the sungla- on her dad's sunglasses and stormed away and they just stopped the match and like she started crying and it went all to drama town. And I'm like, 
not necessary. Yeah, like I get like it's a cool angle, like if pay- you yeah, if you want that angle, right? Like I there's better I, ways I to I come get from there. a simpler time where it's just like what's happening in the ring, right? Yeah. Bring out the good guys, they kick the bad guys' asses. And there's somebody and, that's apparently and like that's obviously cheating, right? Like mm-hmm. And there's yeah, no the bad guys were were quite bad. And there's no rules anymore. Like before, if you punched, you were the bad guy, and the ref warned you if you punched again, you'd be disqualified. Everybody punches now, and it's awesome because like I listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin quite often because he has a really good podcast, and um, he bitches. He's like, everybody's cheating now. How do you know? Everyone's punching. Everyone's hitting each other with chairs because whatever happens on the outside doesn't count now anymore. And it's like, when did that happen? Right? Mm-hmm. Like as long as I don't hit you with the chair in the ring. It's, hey. <laughs> And it's just, and I mean, even if they did, I mean, it's just, you know, on with the show, right? So, and then in the mid '90s, Hulk Hogan became the cool bad I was guy. Gonna, you see, that's where I was. That's where I was kind of go when I first mentioned Hulk Hogan um, and the whole early WrestleMania days. Is that you know, it's like, oh, when he you know cut his hair short and painted his facial hair black and became the bad Hulk Hogan. I'm like, sorry, not buying it. Can't Hollywood can't Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Because. A guy who makes Santa with muscles is a real actor. <laughs> Thunder in Paradise. Uh, what else did he leave to do? Suburban Commando. Yeah. Suburban and then Commando's the one I remember. Yeah. Yeah, but then the real, probably the real legit actor out of the bunch was also probably Roddy Piper. They Live is fantastic. Carpenter wanted to use him in more stuff. Hmm. He probably could have got away with it. Roddy was amazing. Yeah, and it sucks because it's like. The ones that I like, Bret Hart's still alive, and that's good. But it's so many of like what I consider the good ones have passed away, mm-hmm. and then some of the ones that are just kind of like, eh, and have become bad people in their life. They're still clipping along. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I remember like we mentioned you mentioned Bad News Allen, right? I watched Bad News Allen when I was a kid, and decades later, right, he came back as Bad News Brown, and I'm like. Hold on, this is the same guy. He's just changed his name, but he's still doing wrestling. That's because Vince has to be able to own your name. Ah, uh, okay. I had, yeah, I wish I would have had more time with Brutus Beefcake because, like, when he left that company, he couldn't be Brutus Beefcake anymore. And that's Vince's whole thing now. Like, I brought up Kevin Owens. His real name is Kevin Steen. Right. So now when he leaves the company, nobody knows who Kevin Steen is. They know who Kevin Owens is, and Vince owns that guy. Right, right. Because I think he took a beating because John Cena is John Cena's name. Chris Jericho owns Chris Jericho. Uh, Bret Bret Hart owns the Hitman thing. Vince wants to own every single marketable piece of a person Mm -hmm. so that he doesn't have to pay you or ask for permission when you're gone. Right. And that's the crappy thing. So yeah, like the guy's real name was Alan something. So bad news, Alan. Mm -hmm. But when you bring him in, Brad News Brown. I own that name. Done. Right. Um, Some of some of them were lucky enough to copyright themselves before Vince, like, but even like there was infighting, like the Bulldogs. Right. Um, Davy Boy Smith went behind Dynamite Kid's back and copyrighted the British Bulldog um, name. Oh, really? So Dynamite Kid couldn't use it anymore if they weren't together. Wow. So it's just copyright. Dynamite Kid would, could stand on his own name, though. He was a big enough name. Bret Hart still maintains he's the best ever. And when Bret Hart says you're the best ever. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that was that was the era I grew up. I watched Dynamite Kid through his formative oh, he was amazing. years. Yeah, he he's still alive, but like now in retrospect, everyone says he was such an asshole and such a scumbag behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But in the ring, he was like little. He was probably the most technically gifted. Bret Hart's right up there. Mm-hmm. Like I 
was watching WrestleMania, oh God, one of the old ones with Brett in it. And it's like you could watch him anytime you you wouldn't know what era it's from because mm. it's just nice, crisp, clean, not 15 flips. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not crazy stuff. Yeah, Stampede was the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> and just, but I also did enjoy the rock and wrestling thing too, right? So like they're completely different camps, but I appreciate them for what they were, right? Mm. But yeah, like when I, on it was awesome. Like Stampede came through Saskatchewan on one of their tours and they were in Melville on my birthday. Okay. And then when I went around asking for autographs, um, it was either honky tonk or bad news. Okay. I went up to them with the program. They looked at me. They're like, "Get lost, kid!" <laughs> and like, you can't do that now. But for me, thinking back on it, that's fucking awesome to get told off by the guy, by right? the bad guy, right? Yeah. And you're like, that guy was a jerk to me. <laughs> now you'll boo him, which right? is his job. <laughs> I've held you up. We're pushing like almost two hours. Wow. I appreciate you coming out. I had a great time. Right on. It was a lot of fun. And I'll... Here's all my stuff. Cool. Talk to you later. Thanks.